Revelation 17, 14, uh, this verse, uh, several weeks ago I was thinking about this and sort of a progression here that uh, we might uh, follow through with a couple messages, uh, Lord willing. In Revelation 17, 14 says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Now, some of the things in Revelation, there's different ways of understanding, different explanations people have as to what all it means, but it does seem perhaps that this would be more towards the um, end of uh, the age. And uh, reading in the context here, it's like all the satanic forces gathered together to war against the Lamb, Christ. And it says, He will overcome them. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And this is what we want to emphasize. They that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And this morning, the message is on called. The called. Uh, notice, though, it says, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. That's who He is. And uh, there's people that are with Him that are called, chosen, and faithful. And thinking about Lord of Lords and King of Kings, uh, this portrays a conflict. And, of course, Christ is the victor. And the, the victory's already won. There's still conflict. The victory's already won. I mean, Satan, coming up in two weeks, we commemorate Easter. Satan was defeated. The resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. And that was the ultimate victory over death, over sin and death. So he's Lord of lords and King of kings. In Deuteronomy, it says, The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. I was thinking about that victory, though. In Romans 8, we have the phrase, more than conquerors. That's a powerful phrase. We're more than conquerors. You think about, I don't know if Paul, when he wrote that, had in mind the Romans, how, you know, they had their... These nations would have their uh, processions. Uh, in fact, uh, there's there's some um, carvings, I guess, of the Titus victory over Jerusalem, uh, and uh, so they had their victory processions. And he says we're more than conquerors. But it was interesting to think about or look at the verses just before that phrase. It says. Um, in Romans 8, let's see, verse 36. For thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Is that more than conquerors? But that's the next verse. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Sort of an interesting combination there. But Jesus is the conqueror, conqueror. And I've often thought from time to time in this spiritual conflict, this cosmic conflict between God and Satan, 
we, uh, you know, as, as children, as youth and so on, when there's a game, you tend to want to be on the winning side. And uh, when teams are being picked up, uh, and you kind of see who's being picked on which side, you kind of know which side you'd like to be picked on. Uh, you you want to end up on the winning side. Well, spiritually, we know who the winning side is. And we get to choose whose side we're going to be on. We're all called. Those that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. This morning, we're looking at those who are called. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, and this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. <clears throat> he, um, he was baptized. He was tempted 40 days in the wilderness. <clears throat> and he came out and began his ministry. And the verses just before, the ones we want to read here, verses 18 to 22, the verse before says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now verses 18 to 22 in, in Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from there he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So as Jesus began his ministry and he was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he sees it, possibly they had had some awareness of Christ before may have known him. I'm not quite sure. I don't believe he was a total stranger to them. But anyway, they were going about their daily activities and Jesus says, follow me. And immediately, immediately, they just left their job. They walked off the job, sort of, and followed him. Uh, Jesus calls us. I'd like to sing that song. It's 473 in the church hymnal. I asked David to lead that song. I think we can sing all of it.
Jesus does continue to call the, um, I was um, looking up to see if there's any particular uh, history to that song and I didn't really find that there was anything uh, significant that, that motivated the writing of that song the lady who wrote it wrote quite a number of songs it was interesting there's one verse that's not in our our hymnal and I don't know if it was left often uh, not all verses of an original are included simply for space purposes but the um, the omitted verse was as of old apostles heard it by the Galilean lake turned from home and toil and kindred leaving all for his dear sake so Jesus calls us to leave everything for him too. Now, just how that works out uh, may vary, but um, we forsake all to follow him. Uh, let's turn to Luke 5. We won't read all these verses in Luke 5, 1 to 11, but it's the parallel passage, and it's interesting. Uh, it gives more details here in Luke that um, this Jesus calling them to leave followed uh, some teaching. It says the crowds were pressing on him, and so he saw these two empty boats. And now it's interesting, you get these, uh, it's kind of like different people writing about the same thing. You get different details, and maybe uh, things happening at different times. In Matthew, it says they were in the boats mending their nets, and here it says the boats were empty because they were outside of the boats mending their nets. Uh, but anyway, he saw these two ships standing by the lake and, and the people were pressing him. So he got in the boat, sat down, and he taught the people on the shore. And then, and then when that was over, he told Peter, he said, uh, he said, uh, launch out and, uh, and get some fish. And Peter, now Peter, I think he knew his job just like a farmer or a construction person, whatever, you know, they, they learn their skill. I think Peter, Peter knew how to fish. And he said, well, we fished all night and there wasn't anything there. But if you say so, I'll, I'll go out. I'll go fish. And so they did, and they caught this huge, they had this huge catch. And Peter recognized it as something miraculous. And uh, he, he, he fell down at Jesus' feet and said, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. You know, when he saw himself in light of that kind of um, personage. And, uh, and Jesus said, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And then I had prepared my message and then I was kind of reviewing it and uh, John 21 came to mind. After Jesus' resurrection, it said he had appeared to the disciples at different times and uh, I don't know what they were exactly expecting, but they were there at the lake and uh, it was seven of them. It names five of them, I believe. And uh, Peter says, of course, Peter, he was the impetuous one. He said, uh, let's go fishing. And so they did. And 
They didn't catch anything. And there was this man on the shore and they didn't recognize him. They were out of distance. And the man said, uh, did you catch any fish? They said, no, we've been fishing. What was it, all night? Let me see, how does it say that, John 21? Don't want to say something wrong here. But, um, yeah, um, so evidently they were fishing at night. It says, when morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And he and this person said, children, have you any meat? And they, they said, no. And he said, put your net on the other side. And they did. <laughs> and they caught 153 big fish. And Peter said, that's Jesus. And so they went to shore and Jesus had breakfast prepared for them. And then Jesus told Peter, he said, uh, he said, Peter, do you love me? I don't know if it's because Peter was going back to fishing or what. Or maybe Jesus was just leading him on to what Jesus had for him. He said, Peter, do you, do you love me? And Peter said, uh, Jesus, you know I'm your friend. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I'm your friend. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus said to Peter, are you my friend? And, it, and then Peter, that kind of got to him. He says, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, are, am I your friend? And he said unto him, you know that I'm your friend. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Jesus went on to say, when you were young, you went here and there and did kind of what your plans were. You were in charge. But when you get old, somebody is going to lead you the way you don't want to go. And he was talking about Peter being crucified. And Peter was crucified and went upside down, they say. That's what tradition says. And Peter, being Peter... He said, well, what's John supposed to do? And Jesus said, what's that to you? You follow me. So Jesus calls us. We're all called. Uh, Philippians 3. Let's, I want to look at what the Bible says about this calling that we're called to, this calling. Now, Okay, Philippians chapter 3. This is Paul's testimony. Paul, in the first verse of the Romans, when he was writing to the Romans, he said he was called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God. So he sensed his call. But now notice here in Philippians 3 what he says he was called to. Well, first of all, his desire. Paul's desire in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. But in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
Another translation said it this way, with my eyes fixed on the goal, I push on to secure the prize of God's heavenward call in Christ Jesus. John Coblenz wrote that book, The Upward Call. The Upward Call. Uh, Paul, writing to the Ephesians, said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. This tremendous calling we have. First uh, Thessalonians 2.12. Another reference to the calling. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. That ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Or another translation. So that you would make your, li your daily lives worthy of God who is calling you into the glory of his kingdom. That's a, tr a tremendous opportunity. Tremendous call. Calling you into the glory of his kingdom. 1 Peter 5.10. Let's look at that one. Yet yeah, about his calling. 1 Peter 5.10. A little different um, slang or aspect of it here. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Called into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while. That, that reminds me again there of Romans 8 where we're more than conquerors, but it says we are killed all the day long for his sake. There's enmity. There's enmity. Satan is the enemy of God's people. And uh, he has, uh, and since he is the prince of this world, and to a certain extent controls the kingdoms of this world, he exercises that power and control against God's people. But we have this tremendous calling. And who is calling? It says, The God of all grace hath called us by Christ Jesus. I've not read that book. I don't know really much about it, but there's this popular book called Jesus Calling. And I was just looking up a little bit about it. It said that the woman who wrote that book's written several books along that line sold over 30 million copies. On Amazon, there's over 25,000 um, reviews or, or uh, however it is. And 95%, over 95% of them are positive. Uh, but there were a couple people, I think, that had some um, insight. One person wrote, I realize that we should be seeking the Lord in His Word, the Bible, Instead of trying to hear his voice through others, we are told to test the spirits to discern who is actually speaking. I know a lot of people who purchase these books, including myself and now regretting, are looking to hear from God maybe the easy way. But sometimes the easy way isn't the right way. Another reviewer said the author has placed powerful biblical words with nonsense like presence and experience. 
The church needs repentance, sanctification, and discipleship, not fluffy, feel-good words like experience or false presence. The presence of God comes from walking with God in His Word. Experiences come seeing God move in the world we live in, not loud music, fog machines, and emotionalism. God calls us. Jesus calls us. And who is calling? Let's sing number 540 in the church hymnal. And this is sort of a Easter song. trying to think of that song um, well there's a Francis Abergale song it's in the hymnal but anyway our response our response to that kind of a savior
Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, it says, if any. How widespread is that call? Are there any that are not called? Jesus told us who is not called. And it's in Matthew 9. Matthew 9, you probably want to turn there because that's where Jesus said who is not called. He said, go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think it's part of the parallel passage in Mark that says uh, about the same thing. It says, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the ones that aren't called are the righteous. And who, who is that? Well, Romans chapter 3 tells us. Romans chapter 3 says in verse 10 there is none righteous no not one there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after God they are all gone out of the way and it's speaking of all of us at one some point in our lives they are together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good no not one their throat is an open sepulcher. That's a powerful figure of speech. Um, we talk about people having bad breath or halitosis or whatever the official word is there. Um, and if you've ever been around somebody that's got it really bad and they can't help it often, uh, but it's not all that pleasant. But it's saying here that that's the way people appear before God in their, in their unrighteous state. That's what a sinner looks like to God. That's what we look like in our own, in our own righteousness. 
And Isaiah says, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And so, verse, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So Jesus came not to call the righteous, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he came, he calls all. He calls all. Uh, I want somebody, I want you to answer this question. What is the first record we have in the scripture of God calling? Yeah, yeah, it's Genesis 3, verse 9. The Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And God kept calling. Some responded, like Abraham. He responded to God's call. And some don't. In fact, the children of Abraham... Uh, Luke 13. Let's turn to Luke 13. Verses 33 and 34. Verse 31 says, The same day came certain of the Pharisees, as children of Abraham. But anyway, Jesus knowing, well, they, they did not um, listen to his teaching. They did not listen to his call. In verse 34, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and astonish them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen to gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. And he knew what was coming for himself. And he knew what was coming for them. So he was the prophet that was killed in Jerusalem too just outside the walls. But he says, I would have longed to have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And in the, um, when the Romans overran Jerusalem in AD 70, it, it, was, a, it was a miserable affair. There were different Groups of zealous zealots in the city that were fighting each other. There was famine, there was cannibalism, and the people that tried to escape just to, I guess, add terror and whatever. They About 500 a day, they said, tried to escape, and they'd crucify them all. Said they'd clear away all the trees from 11 miles around to have enough wood for the crosses. And Jesus said, you know, I would have longed to have gathered you under my wings, but you would not. In John 5, chapter 40, Jesus said to him, you will not come to me that you might have life. You will not come to me that you might have life.
so we have those wonderful verses in Matthew 11 where Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus still speaks to us today, and Jesus still calls in uh, I, I was thinking uh, a Baptist service probably seldom goes by without giving people an opportunity to respond, an invitation, and probably in Pentecostal circles too. And uh, in our circles it just doesn't happen. <laughs> And so I wanted to give an opportunity here. Jesus calls. I don't know who or what he may have been speaking to this morning. But I want to give opportunity. Jesus has been speaking to someone. I want to give you opportunity to respond to the invitation. Um, just to share, share with the congregation.